Hello, this is Curtis Edwards, Vice President of Investor Relations at Hudson Investing. Are you ready to start building your multifamily portfolio? Kent and I are excited to announce our newest deal in Spartanburg, South Carolina. This 157-unit property offers a unique chance to acquire a B-class value-add property for just $120,000 per door. This is well below replacement costs. De-risking the deal even further is a favorable loan assumption with over six years remaining at 3.73% fixed. With 50 economic development projects underway and 70,000 jobs within a 20-minute drive, the South Carolina upstate region is primed for above-average job, population, and rent growth. Don't miss out on this exclusive deal. Find the link in the description notes to learn how you can invest. So assisted living, instead of moving into a big box facility, what we might think of Brookdale, Sunrise, Atrium, this is kind of an alternative that still gives you the same amount of care and it's relatively the same rate, but much better care. Welcome to Right Around Real Estate, the show about how to passively invest like a pro. On each episode, I interview real estate experts who give their top investing advice, strategies, and tools and I break down their insights into practical steps to avoid the pitfalls and make better investments. I want to help you passively invest like a pro. This is Ritter on Real Estate, and I'm your host, Kent Ritter. Hello, fellow investors, and welcome to another episode of Ritter on Real Estate, where we teach you how to passively invest like a pro. Today, my guest is Isabel Gorino-Smith, and she is the COO of Residential Assisted Living Academy. She started out as a flight attendant. We were a Walt Disney World intern, which I think is a pretty exclusive gig from what I hear. (laughs) And now you've, well, not now, but in the last six years, you've been a part of the family business as the COO, right? And recently given the title, one of the top influencers in senior housing and was awarded the Future Leaders of Assisted Living Award in in 2020. So congratulations. And Isabel, thanks so much for being here today. Thanks for having me. I'm excited to be here. Awesome. So tell us uh, a little bit more about who you are and, and tell us about how you got to where you are today. Yeah. So I know we just chatted earlier that you knew my father. So my dad, he was kind of the godfather of assisted living, right? That's the Mm -hmm. term everyone's been given him, but he passed away last October. Um, But he was a real estate investor for 40 years. And he had gotten interested in this industry because my grandmother fell, she broke her hip, she needed 24 seven care. So it was a need for my own family, right? We were looking for a place for grandma and was just not happy and not satisfied with the big box facilities, the commercial facilities that we usually think of when we think of senior housing. So mm-hmm. he kind of jumped all into this. And once we saw what he was doing, how he had been dealing for 40 years with tenants and toilets and all the drama that single family rentals, you know, comes along with it to being like beloved by his residents and having so much fun and enjoying visiting those homes and cash flowing really well. My whole family, all my siblings started kind of be like, what's going on? What are you doing? So I kind of started peeking in and asking him, you know, more questions and showing up more and, and asking more. And eventually I became his first uh, employee and we built the teams to over 50 people now um, and had a lot of fun doing it. So when he passed, 
part of what, you know, was, was given to me was all of these businesses. And I feel really blessed and lucky to be able to continue and carry his legacy going forward in the senior housing industry. Yeah, absolutely. Well, I think that's an incredible story and you're right. I knew your father just, just a little bit, but every interaction I had with him, he was, he was a great guy. And I am definitely sorry to, to hear that he passed, but it, I think it's very cool that, uh, he built a legacy that now you're able to continue and, and, and keep within the family. So yeah. that, I think that's something really special. That's great. For sure. For sure. So for our listeners, I mean, help folks understand what is residential assisted living? Yeah, great question. So residential assisted living is just a group home for seniors that provides assistance with their activities of daily living, or you may hear them be referred to as ADL. So pretty much most seniors are going to need help for an average of three and a half years towards the end of their life. Um, about 70% of seniors will need this help. So assisted living, instead of moving into a big box facility, what we might think of Brookdale Sunrise Atrium, this is kind of an alternative that still gives you the same amount of care and it's relatively the same rate, but much better care. The resident to caregiver ratios, much lower, right? And it's not a bunch of tacked on added fees. It's just one flat fee to live in the home. And many of us grew up in residential homes. So to move into this hospital-like feel of a big box facility doesn't feel very natural or safe or comfortable. Um, so being able to stay in a residential setting where instead of mom, dad, two kids and a dog, there's six to 16 seniors living in this one home. It's a great opportunity to still have that residential feel, you know, but not, and still be getting the same care. So that's kind of what we do and what we focus on only the residential side of assisted living. Interesting. So yeah, this is definitely a unique approach to real estate investing. I mean, it, it, it's real estate, but it's also really an operating business yes. as well, right? You're running, you've got some day-to-day -day operations that are going on. So Help me unpack this a little bit more. You, you say residential assisted living. You say that there's, it's not the big box. There's six to 16 people. So these aren't huge facilities. No. What what type of house or building are, are you using? And are you building them new? Are you acquiring and kind of retrofitting? How, how does this work? So there's kind of four ways that you can get into this. One, you can buy land and build custom from the ground up. Many of our students, I was just in Texas last week, where land is still available for purchase there, right? That's not true in every state, but you know you can still buy land in many parts of our country today. So buying land, building custom homes from the ground up, that is one option to get into this. The other is buying a single family home and converting it to become. We've done that route and many of our students have done that route as well. So maybe you're buying a larger single family home to start, something between three and 5,000 square feet, let's say. And then maybe it started as a five bed, six bath, but you're gonna convert it into a 10 bed, eight bath, right? So taking the natural footprint of the home and maybe doing an addition or a renovation, but converting that single family home in a single family neighborhood to just house seniors instead of 
a regular family, right? Mm -hmm. The third way is buying an existing business. So you buy the business, buy the real estate, you're up and running day one, right? Cash flowing right away. And that's a great way to get into this business. The fourth way is working with someone who's going to own the real estate and you're going to operate the business. So you're going to be leasing it from them, leasing, um, you know, the home that they've already retrofit and got ready to go, maybe even licensed through the state. So those are kind of the four ways that you could get started in this. But for the most part, they're in regular single family neighborhoods, but definitely more upscale luxury neighborhoods because you're not going to find a 3000 square foot home, you know, in, in, in or or up up to five, six thousand in some neighborhoods. So we have to be thinking large, luxurious, nicer parts of town for sure. Sure. And that makes sense. And I mean, what are you, I feel like the, you know, the demographics and the things that you may look for as you're trying to find one of these properties can be, is very different than your typical rental. So yeah. what are, what are some of the things that you're looking for when you look for properties to acquire? Yeah, demographics, you hit the nail on the head. It is absolutely the key. So you actually are looking for what we call daughter Judy, the adult child who's paying for mom or dad to live in your home. We want to find out where daughter Judy lives, eats, works, sleeps, and plays, right? The 50 to 70-year-old who's upper middle class, who is usually making at least twice the median income, that's the area where we want the home to be because she's gonna be the one searching for the home, touring the homes, usually paying for the homes, and she's gonna to wanna to go visit mom or dad in your home. So she doesn't wanna drive 40 minutes outside of town. She wants to go right on her way home from work or right on her way home from picking up the kids. So daughter Judy is your key when you're looking for the demographic research. Gotcha, gotcha. And so, yeah, I mean, it makes a lot of sense. You want, you're, you're really, your client is really the kids. Yes. More, the adult than, it child. Is, more yep. than it is yep. the adult child. Yeah. And then, so you're looking for areas where there's, you know, maybe a little bit of an older skewed demographic and, and a little higher incomes, as you said, yeah. because it makes sense it, they, they want to be close to mom or dad, right. They yeah. want to be able to visit. So, so that makes absolute sense. Yeah. Um, okay. Well, that's really interesting. You know, of the four ways that, that people get into it, I mean, what have you seen, be the most common or maybe the, the most successful? You know, I would say two of the most common ways are converting single family homes. For sure. A lot of people want to go that route just because so many of our students who come through our training, they're already real estate investors. And many of your mm -hmm. listeners here, this what they do. This is their bread and butter. So mm -hmm. they already have a lot of experience in location, acquisition, renovation. So it's very natural to kind of continue that pattern and just do it for a different niche, a different type of investment. The yeah. second way is buying existing. So 30,000 of these homes already exist in our country today. Um, we created a map where we have them all there online. It's the ralhomelocator.com. And you can just see all of the homes that are there that exist. So a lot of people who are in this business, I would say about 80% are doing it mom and pop style. They're not mm -hmm. running it as professional owners the way we're teaching people to do. So after about seven years of running it that way, being really hands-on, 
they start to say, okay, I'm kind of burned out. You know, I've, I've made my money, but mm -hmm. I, I want to back out. So purchasing an existing one is a really fast and easy way to get up and, and running because someone's already done all that work for you, right? They've renovated the house. They've started the business. They've created that reputation. They already have clients in there. So yes, you're paying a premium for someone's work, but you're now up and running. So it saves you a lot of time. Sure. Sure. Gotcha. So there's kind of the, the value add, if you will, option of coming in and, and renovating it yourself and you're going to get a better deal, but it's going to take you a little more construction risk, a little longer to get up and running, or there's that turnkey. Yep. And how many of these did you say there are? 30,000 exist in the country today. Wow. Wow. So yeah, I had no idea it was a, there was such a big market. Just but, in, we're in Phoenix, just in Maricopa mm -hmm. County alone, one county, there's 3000 in this one county. It's major. Yeah, it sounds <laughs> it just, like it. It's just, you could drive by it and not notice it because mm -hmm. it's a single family home, you know, like it could be next door to you and yeah. you suspect something's going on because certain cars, like your caregivers, right. Come and right. park in front of the house and then, you know, like shift work. So they're coming and going, but you might not know what exactly is happening there. Yeah. So it's really yeah, I I had a similar example. I mean, just down the street from my house, they were building a really large ranch style yeah. and I couldn't figure out what, what that was going to be. I was like, there's no way it's going to be a medical office or something because it's just yeah. in the middle of this residential neighborhood. And turns out it's a residential assisted living facility. I, I didn't know until I saw they were putting in like a 10 car parking lot in the front. <laughs> I was like, oh. um, but I figured out what it was and then there tied you. it back. And that's exactly <laughs> what it is. There you go. So you're right. They are everywhere. Yeah. So, um, so I think, you know, a lot of our listeners are familiar with, with the real estate side. Like, like to me, that makes sense. You know, you go out, you follow your demographics are going to be a little different, right? Yeah. Um, but you kind of figure out what you need to find and you go out and you find a property. I imagine you could probably pay, you could probably pay a little more for the property than, than the normal person that's looking for a single family home since it's actually going to be an operating business. You may have an advantage there. Yeah. Um, but talk a little bit about the the other element of the, of the business. So you get the property, the property is ready to go, but now you have to run this business. I mean, what does that look like day yeah. to day, week to week for people that are investors? Love it. So the, you will be hiring your first key player is your licensed administrator. So every state has rules and requirements on what it takes to become a licensed administrator, but that's not you, right? You are the owner of the business. You're sitting in the owner's mm -hmm. box up top. You're going to hire that licensed administrator. So in real estate world, it's kind of like a property manager. This is yeah. someone who's going to be overseeing your staff, maybe touring with the families. They might be doing the grocery shopping for the home, dealing with landscapers and cleaners or chefs, whatever you might need within the home. They're kind of that go-to key component, maybe your integrator for your business, right? So your yeah. license administrator so, is the key. Gotcha. And so is that how you get your licensing? You essentially hire somebody that has a license? You are, there's three, there's three kinds of licenses with it. The physical home will have a license. The licensed mm -hmm. administrator is licensed and your caregivers are licensed. You gotcha. technically don't have a license because you're not working in the home. Sure. You're not, you know, equipped to do that. So it's is, the home and those, those other players. Gotcha. And does that all vary state to state? It all varies state to state. It's usually not very difficult to get. Arizona is one of the strictest states. Um, Texas is like, you got to be 18, have a GED and take a four hour course. Like it's, 
It's nothing mm -hmm. major, um, but every state's kind of different. So it really just depends. Um, but that licensed administrator, and then they're going to be doing your hiring and firing of your licensed caregivers. And those are the people who are in the home 24 seven caring for the residents. They could gotcha. be live in, but I prefer shift work. So they're coming mm -hmm. for eight, 10 or 12 hour shifts, but someone's always there with the seniors 24 seven. So they're doing, the gotcha. yep. they're doing the hands-on care. Your administrator's running the business and you are owning and operating the business. So in the gotcha. beginning, it's definitely work to get it up and settled and running and all your processes. Yep. But once it is up and running, you can be very hands-off with it. You know, I visit sure. my homes every other month and I have a weekly meeting with my administrator. And, you know, it's because we've set it up that way to, to say, no, you guys are, are doing this now. Yeah. You know, some people do want to be more hands-on. They really find that they love this industry, that they're making a big impact and they want to be more involved. And that's fine. You can kind of play whatever role you want. But I like to teach our investors how to be the most hands-off and then it's their choice how they want to get involved. Sure. No, that makes complete sense. So when you when we think about this, I, I guess taking a step back to more the revenue side of things as we start talking about staffing, um, how many folks, you said you can have between six and 16. So what determines if you have six or 16? I mean, beyond like just bedrooms at a home, yeah. what, what determines how many people you can, you can fit in one of these facilities? Every state has a maximum amount allowed. So okay. your state will tell you that number. And then some counties will even vary from their state. So like the state of Texas says 16, but Dallas says eight. So if your home's going to be in, in Dallas proper, right, you can only have eight residents in the home. Most seniors do want private bedrooms, private baths. So when mm -hmm. we're talking about a 16 bedroom residential home, I mean, you're not going to find that on the market. You're either going to have to do a massive addition or conversion right. or build custom from the ground up. Right. You know, what do you typically see is kind of an unusual size? It really, well, we like to say 300 to 500 square feet per person. So in Arizona, where I am, we're allowed to have 10 residents in a home. So our smallest home is about 3,500 square feet. And I really wouldn't go lower than three for 10 residents. Our largest home is about 6,500 square feet with the same 10 residents, but they're both 10 bedroom, 10 bath homes. So they didn't start that way. We had to convert them to become that way. Sure. Yeah, no, that makes a lot of sense. So you've got, and then for each person, what do you, what do you expect in revenue? So the national average is $4,500 per person per month, but we do not do average homes. We're always teaching our students to do above average luxury homes in upscale environments. So um, depending on the, the average cost within your city or state, it's going to vary, but national average is about $4,500 per person. Gotcha. And how does that compare to some of the, like the big box uh, facilities that you mentioned? That's including, they're included in that stat. So we're included in that gotcha. stat, they're including that stat. But the big difference is this, they might say, okay, it's $4,500 a month for mom or dad, right? But if the bathing day is on Tuesday and your, your senior wanted a bath on Thursday, extra $500, they tried to escape thousand dollars. They didn't want breakfast from seven to nine when the kitchen was open. They wanted to eat breakfast at 1030, $500. You get that bill at the end of the month and it's six grand. And you're like, what the heck happened, grandma? You know, so they- <laughs> Grandma's flying the coop. 
<laughs> they do a lot of add-on prices because they have a system. It's kind of run like army style. It's like, this is the time, this is what's happening because their caregiver to resident ratio is sometimes 15 to one. Sure. That's not fair. One person cannot care for 15 people. That's not sure. safe. It's not fair, but it makes sense to why they're saying, if you don't bathe when we, when we're asking you to bathe and we have to do it another day, I've got to pull another staff member away yeah. to care for you. So they're trying to make it work, but their pricing gets sneaky versus ours is definitely an all-in cost. And whenever they want to bathe or eat or do whatever they want to do, we don't care. It's their home. They can live and breathe how they want. Gotcha. And how many caregivers per resident do you guys recommend? We always say four to one or five to one, which is a gotcha. much more comfortable ratio. The state does not mm. have a, none of the states that I've seen at least have a required recommendation. So Gosh. four to one, five to one is really good in, in our world, right? We don't really ever see that in a big facility at night, the big facilities can sometimes be 30 to one or 50 to one. That's wow. crazy. That's not okay. Yeah. So you think about this. I mean, you just think about this from standard of care and you've got basically a fixed price for what sounds like better care. I mean, you're assuming better care just because there's more time, more flexibility, more individual attention, right? Yep. So it's, it does seem like a superior option for sure. Yeah, I sure think so. And, you know, although people think like, a lot of people haven't heard about residential assisted living. We are responsible for 61% of the available beds nationwide. Really? So I had no idea. I had no idea there were 30,000 of them. Yeah, we are the dominating uh, thing out there. It's just when it's a one-off home, you don't notice it. There's no big sign out front, like the one in your neighborhood that's going to have a parking lot for 10. That's, yeah. they might have something going on there bigger because like ours, it's just a regular driveway, you know, like mm. no sign, no nothing. So you wouldn't really know. And when they're owned by individual owners, it's different than, you know, this big shiny building, you know, so. Sure. Yeah, no, that may, that makes a ton of sense. So, so they're, you know, they're providing food. It sounds like bathing. I mean, what, what are, cause I know there's different levels of care when you talk about yeah. senior care, right? So maybe just kind of walk us through that briefly, just to explain kind of where, where these fit in versus the nursing homes and assisted living and everything else in the world. Yep. So when you live in an assisted living home, typically you need help with at least three to five ADLs, activities of daily living, which could include anything from getting up out of bed or out of a chair, walking, bathing, showering, uh, toileting, eating, taking medication, I mean, really anything that you do from the moment you get up out of bed to go to bed. So most seniors, by the time they're moving in, let's just be real. They're not moving in for funsies. They're moving in because they have to, because mm -hmm. it's no longer safe for them to live alone. You know, a doctor usually has told them you need 24 seven care. You have to either get in home care, which is insanely expensive, or you need to go move into a home or have someone with you 24 seven. So for most families, it's not an option to just quit your job and take care of your loved one full time. Also, even if it is an option, you might not naturally be a caregiver. You know, I'm, I know I'm not, I am not patient. <laughs> I am not built to care for seniors, you know, and many people aren't. And I would be doing my family members a disservice if I became their full-time caregiver. You know, I'd much rather pay for someone who 
will know and love them and support them in those last years and give them the top quality care that they need. Mm-hmm. So they're, so they're getting help with just like daily life activities, but yeah. like, like where does this stop? And I don't know if nursing home is the right word or whatever the next kind yeah. of like where, what, what differentiates? So in nursing home, there's only two ways they're leaving the home, right? Typically they're passing on to the next life or their care is greater than what we can provide in the home. And they Mm -hmm. do need to go into a nursing facility or a nursing home. In those homes, it's doctors, gurneys, IVs, you know, it's medical. So they actually need medical care. They need medical care. Yeah. And so at that point, it's not safe for them to be in our home because that's not what we're providing. So that's kind of that next level, but most people do end up staying in our homes until they pass on. Gotcha. So these homes are, are providing just assistance with daily living. I mean, assisted living yeah. makes sense, I guess, yeah. just from the things you need to do, even taking medication, stuff yeah. like that. It sounds like, yeah. gotcha. Yeah. Gotcha. So someone's doing your laundry, someone's cooking for you, cleaning your room, and then taking care of all of your needs. Mm-hmm. Um, in some of our homes and in our training, we do go through a memory care component because many seniors they're going to have memory care issues, whether great or small. And nationally it's about 500 to $1,500 more if you need memory care, special care, right? Mm -hmm. So to live in the home. So many States where maybe you are limited to six residents in the home, opening a memory care home is a way to maximize the amount coming in from each resident so that you can make sure your bottom lines are okay. Gotcha. Gotcha. Yeah. And that, that's a great segue. Cause that was kind of my next question is, so there's a pretty significant top line each month, right? If you, I mean, if you're, let's assume 6,000 and you've got, let's just say six people, right? You're at 36,000 a month. I mean, that's, uh, that's more than you'll make on some rentals in, in a whole year. Right. Yeah. But, uh, but I imagine with the staffing and everything else that comes into play, I mean, the expenses are, are significantly higher as well. So what, is, what does that look like? Can you give us kind of an average or, you know, what do we, what do we expect on the expense side? Yep. So with that example, that's perfect. Let's say it's 6,000 times six residents, right? So we've got 36 coming in each month to take care of six residents. It's probably your overhead expenses are going to be right around $18,000 a month. So if we minus 18 from that, we're left with 18. This is going to be a pretty big and nice house. If it's a six bedroom, six bath house, and depending Mm -hmm. on what part of the country you're in, Real estate's crazy expensive these days in a lot of markets. So let's just say it's an eight thousand dollar lease or mortgage that's sure. still leaving you ten thousand dollars net per month as the owner, right? That's your take home. So mm-hmm. just a six bed home, maybe doing memory care where you're getting that six thousand from each resident could be cash flowing you ten k a month. That's pretty pretty good. It's <laughs> not bad. That's definitely not bad. So so it's it's about the same where you'd expect about fifty percent of your your revenue be your expense ratio will be about 50%. It's just on a, on a greater scale. Exactly. You know, obviously the care is going to be your most expensive component. Mm -hmm. Everything else is kind of baseline, right? Like food, cable activities. I that's even baking in for a 10% vacancy, right? So you want to make sure all those different things, because this is a all in price that they're paying for everything. And you want to give them everything, you know, you, you don't want to skimp on different things. So that's kind of that all in right there. Yeah. Really interesting. 
So, I mean, it seems like a very compelling investment. It doesn't take, uh, you, you can go out and buy a house and you can get a, you can get a mortgage on it, right? So you can leverage there. You can, you find your kind of key person, your administrator who can hire the rest of the staff. So you can have one employee that you really need to, need to, need to work with, right? They're, they're an independent contractor, but your caregivers will be employees. Gotcha. But you have one person that's kind of your, your go-to, right? So it seems, you know, fairly manageable, Uh, but there's, there's gotta be some gotchas or some things that people run into. So like, what are, what are some of the things that you see new students maybe run into, or, you know, some of the things that, that folks can avoid if they listen to your wise advice? (laughs) I love it. I definitely think that People underestimate the power of marketing. Like you're starting a business. You're going to have to market it. This is not, Mm -hmm. if you build it, they will come, right? You have to let everyone and anybody know that you exist. You've got to have a strong social media presence. You need all your print copies of everything, right? Brochures and business cards and everything of that nature. We have students who do radio ads, newspaper ads, billboards. I mean, you don't have to go that far, but all of those things help residents find and come into their home. You can work with local placement agents, which is a whole industry of people who basically, when a senior goes to the hospital and is proclaimed that they need assisted living, they go around and speak with the families and say, what's your location, price point, and amenities that you're looking for? And they pass out business cards for those homes. So making sure that you're befriending all those people, getting in touch with them, but marketing cannot be overlooked. You're starting a business. It's, sure. it's a big deal, right? <laughs> sure. Yeah, absolutely. So marketing kind of number one, maybe where people yeah. underestimate. What, yeah. what have you found to be the best sources of marketing? Definitely when you're first starting, placement agents are really important, but there's a lot of different things that you can do like open houses, right? It sounds silly, but when you're building one of these in a neighborhood, it's important to invite all the neighbors over, get them inside so they can see what you're doing. They might be your greatest referral sources right there, you know, Mm -hmm. Um, online. I have a, a student who just posts all sorts of fun stuff that his seniors are doing within their home. Like on Super Bowl, he had the fun, like, hat with the beer and the, you know, little (laughs) straws that go in the mouth. And like people were going crazy sharing this photo. And then people call him and say, I want my, my dad to live there. It looks like you're having a lot of fun, you know? Yeah. So it's, it's like Facebook. He didn't even pay. He didn't do, you know, a paid ad. He's just posting what's happening within the home and continuing to share that not just reaching out when a bed is empty, but continually sharing the journey of what is happening within the home. And he's gathering all these people who are saying, that looks fun. I want my mom or dad to live there. And it's, it's really cool. Yeah. That's awesome. Any other uh, big takeaways or kind of things that people run into? Yes. I would say staffing is your other thing, right? Mm -hmm. Everyone's super worried about staff these days, the great resignation or whatever we want to call it. I think the bigger deal is being a good employer, right? Um, People are not leaving because they're getting paid more somewhere else. They're leaving because they don't feel appreciated. And Mm -hmm. I think that is super, super important and valid. Like why if we spend most of our lives working or at work at a job, why would you want to spend most of your life somewhere that you feel not appreciated, not loved, not cared for? Like, you know, like, of course, I can understand that. So being able to sympathize and empathize with them in that way, you know, when we have new staff who comes to work in our homes, I always encourage our students, ask them what their goals are. You know, if someone's a caregiver, they're basically getting 
minimum wage plus a couple dollars an hour, they could be working at McDonald's getting almost the same thing. And this job is not easy. So mm-hmm. they're doing this because they have a big heart, because they have passion for this industry and being able to ask them, hey, what's your goal? And they maybe say, I actually really want to be a nurse one day. And then you helping them maybe get into community college and start on that path, maybe helping apply for scholarships for them could make them loyal to you for the next five years, you know? Mm -hmm. Um, So I really think it's about being a better employer and looking out and watching out for your, you know, staff and making sure that they are happy with you. And, you know, it's not just about money. It's about caring. Yeah, absolutely. And I think that, that, probably goes through the entire business, right? I mean, you're, when you're taking care of these seniors, you, you do have to have a, I think, like you said, a, a special personality and a, and a big heart, yep. but, it, but it also sounds like it's, it's a really, um, I mean, it sounds like it's a really compelling investment opportunity. You know, For you can, sure. you can definitely make great cash flow. Yep. Um, you know, it just sounds like you need to jump, you need to jump over some of these hurdles, like you, like you have to with, with any type of property. But uh, if you can solve those problems, it sounds like it, yeah, it sounds like a pretty compelling opportunity. I sure think so. It's got that balance of do good, do well, you know, yeah. if you're all money, money, it's not going to be good. And if you're all, I just care, 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 and forget about the money, it's not going to work either. You've got to have that balance. And I think this is a really good opportunity to be able to do both. Sure. Yeah, absolutely. So we spent a lot of time talking about, you know, what the actual investment is and what that looks like, but tell me a little bit about the Academy and and you mentioned your students, but tell me what this is all about. Yeah. So, you know, obviously we're in this industry ourselves, but people started coming to us over the years, real estate investors and entrepreneurs, even medical professionals saying, teach me how, you know, so we, the Academy kind of launched and grew from there. We teach and train about 150, 175, right in that range, people every six to eight weeks, how to start, own and operate these businesses. We do not, you know, uh, it, there's a, there's a fee to attend the course, but then we're teaching you how to fish. I want you to be able to do this on your own so that you can go get these up and running. Our, our mission is to positively impact 10 million people through senior housing. And I truly feel the best way I can do that is to continue to speak, you know, on, on great podcasts like this one and, and go in front of live events where I can share with people how to start getting involved in this because the silver tsunami is coming. And I want to make sure that everyone can take advantage of it. Who wants to, right. Who wants to jump in and play. <laughs> yeah. The, so tell me what's the silver tsunami. Tell me about this. Silver tsunami, right? 77 million baby boomers are are going to be approaching and they're going to need housing and care. So right now there's 10,000 people a day turning 65 and 4,000 people a day turning 85. But at the peak, there'll be 11,500 people turning 85 every single day. So a massive opportunity in this industry. Right now we're 1.3 million beds short And we're still 20 years out from the peak. So this is going to be a huge crisis in our economy and in our world, right? It was world war that Mm -hmm. set this off. So it's not just America. It's every country is going to have a massive influx of need, you know, for care, for housing, for providing for these seniors at every level. That's really interesting. Yeah. I mean, that's a great point. That's a great point where you're kind of pointing out we're not even close to the peak yet and there's still demand to come for years and years and years and and we already have a shortage so definitely uh, anytime you can have a demand and supply 
imbalance, it's a good opportunity. Yes. Yeah. Awesome. Well, Isabel, thank you so much for, for coming and sharing your knowledge and, and teaching us about a, a different niche. I always you know, like to learn about other opportunities that are out there. Before I let you go, I want to take you through our keys to success round. Yeah. I've got four questions I want to ask you. The first one is, so if you were to invest in somebody else's deal, mm-hmm. um, maybe you know they have an investment, maybe it's assisted living, multifamily, doesn't matter. And you could only ask them one question. What would that one question be? If I was to invest in someone's residential assisted living home, I would 100% ask them, where is it located? Location is key. Location (laughs) is everything, right? Yep. Gotcha. Awesome. What are you most proud of in your career? Um, you know, I think I'm really proud just over this last year of, you know, I spent the last six years basically behind the scenes building companies. There's very few photos or anything of me on stage doing anything. I really just was kind of my dad's right hand gal, just doing everything behind the scenes. And, you know, when he passed, it was kind of like, okay, do we shut down or do we find someone else to keep this going? Like, what do we do? You know, he had an on, a, a incredible onstage presence. And um, so being able to kind of carry that torch and really find my own passion in teaching, you know, he was an incredible teacher and I feel I'm a pretty good teacher, right? But I really found that my passion is building businesses. And so I've kind of turned this into my mind in, how can I get in front of as many people to teach them how to build their own businesses? And when I do that, it takes away all the fear. And I'm really proud of being able to kind of move that ball forward and, and carry our, our company forward. And I think that's so cool how you were willing to step up and like you said, kind of take the torch uh, for the family and, and become uh, now the face of the brand. And, mm-hmm. uh, and it seems like you're having great success doing that. And you obviously have a very, uh, you know, very pleasant personality and very compelling story. So, you know, I'm sure that uh, you guys are having a ton of success. Uh, I think that that's awesome. You build a legacy out of that. Yeah. It's been a lot What's of absolutely. What is a book that everybody should read? Ooh. Okay. My fave book that I love to recommend is the 5am club. Have you ever read it? I'm not. Okay. It's a good one. It's, it's, it's uh, like non-fiction. So it's like mm-hmm. a storytelling book, but there's a lot of themes and concepts that I think are super applicable to entrepreneurs and business owners. And it's really just about like taking every day, maximizing it, living it to the fullest. And, you know, how can we really um, show up as our best selves in every single setting and situation? So the 5am club. Awesome. I'll check it out. And last but not least, what is your number one key to success? Ooh, okay. I think my number one key to success is grit, right? Because in any form of real estate, there's going to be roadblocks. There's going to be hoops to jump through. There's going to be mm-hmm. setbacks, right? Especially we've seen over the last couple of years, like with prices going up and things getting crazy. And, you know, there's just so much going on that you can't control. So having grit, having a really strong passion and why to get through all of those things and show up the next day and maybe get hit in the face and show up the next day and just keep showing up, keep doing what you want to do and pushing through all of those things, I think is the key to success in life, but especially with real estate investing. So no matter what venture of real estate investing you like to participate in active, passive Airbnbs, RALs, whatever you like. I think having grit, keep pushing through. Don't take no for an answer is the best uh, advice. 
I love it. That's great advice. I think that showing up is what really matters, right? Mm-hmm. That's Absolutely. awesome. Well, Isabel, thank you so much again for coming on the show. If folks want to learn more about uh, the RAL Academy and about what you're working on, how can they reach you? Yeah, ralacademy.com. Right on that website, you can watch free webinars, download free books, schedule calls with our team. There's tons of free info and resources for you there. So ralacademy.com. Awesome. We'll make sure it's all linked below. And with that, Isabel, I hope you have a great rest of the day. Sounds good. Thank you so much for having me. Thanks for listening to another great episode of Ritter on Real Estate. Hit the subscribe button to make sure you don't miss out on the content that will make you a better investor. Also, visit KentRitter.com for articles, videos, and tools curated just for passive investors. Until next time, this is Kent Ritter with Ritter on Real Estate. Now go out and invest like a pro.